Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to The Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at The Bird Rights and get all the latest on your Pelicans at thebirdrights.com. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bird Calls Podcast. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and we are giving you another two-parter here. First, a recap of the victory against the Los Angeles Clippers with your hosts Travis Tate and Kevin Berrios, followed by my own interview with a preview of the Pelicans' upcoming matchup with the Atlanta Hawks on Monday night. This is with Peachtree Hoops and Locked On Hawks' Brad Rowland. Thank you so much to him for joining us. But first up, here's Travis and Kevin. So this is... uh a couple of happy Pelicans fans coming to you after the defeat of the Los Angeles Clippers in New Orleans tonight. What was the final score there? 111 to 103. Uh, the Pelicans generally played pretty well, but had a bunch of turnovers. Um, my co-host today is Kevin. Is it Barry? I should have asked you this already, but is it Kevin Berrios or Berrios? No, it's Berrios. Very awesome. Kevin, you were at the game tonight. Uh, it seemed like it, it was an exciting crowd uh, just because the way the game kind of flowed, it was up and down a lot. Uh, what was the experience like tonight? Yeah, you know, I mean, I have season tickets. So, like, I'm, you know, you see the, the dud crowd games or the, the games where the crowd is decked out on the other team's gear. But tonight was one of those nights where, you know, it was, uh, it was a pretty strong Pelicans um team out there you know everybody was excited I had like particularly I had one like little kid behind me that was pretty hilarious he was screaming nonstop, and he would grunt every time a Clippers player would touch the ball which was pretty funny um yeah so I mean people were into it which is good you know um and then like I worked today before the game and so I saw a lot of people come in wearing Pelicans gear which is always a good sign you see more and more of that lately so I think the city's like, you know, starting to turn their attention towards basketball a little bit, even though the Saints are uh, doing well right now. Well, and the reason those fans are maybe coming out of the woodwork a little more this year, uh, more so than other years in the past, is the just the dynamic combination of Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. Um, let's see, Cousins had 35 and 14 tonight. Is that right? No, 35 and 15 excuse me, and uh, Anthony Davis said 25 and 10, just ho-hum with uh, six assists and two blocks. Uh, spectacular plays all over the floor tonight. Cousins had a couple of four-point plays. He had great passes, including one that we were talking about before we started recording, this, like, touchdown pass or fastball um, that Cousins threw maybe about 45 feet down the floor to get uh, – Anthony Davis, that and one dunk, uh, they were pretty, I mean, they were just super good tonight. Uh, what do you think about these two, what they've done so far this season? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I expected this to be a thing that worked. You know, I was always wondering, I never really got through the idea, I mean, the, the worry from a lot of the national media or even some people you hear, heard locally about how this pairing wouldn't work. I mean, you have two guys that have all this, all the kinds of basketball skills you want, and they're big, and they create mismatches. So, like, this is kind of what I was expecting. 
Um, so it's not shocking to me. So it's every night when I see it, it's not shocking, but it's very, it's just super exciting that, that we get to witness this. And I, like you and, um, and Trevor had talked about, you know, how this is like maybe possibly the, the best big man pairing ever in the history of the league. And I think, you know, I would say it's hard to argue against that. I mean, these guys have skills like no other big men have had and, you know, they can dominate inside, they can play outside, they can pass, they can dribble They They can defend, uh, especially Anthony Davis, you know, his blocking ability and his instincts are great. Cousins is incredible at picking up a charge, you know, so it's, you know, a very interesting pairing and, um, you know, I'm excited to be able to watch it every, every night. I think I said uh, when I was on with Trevor that in a vacuum, maybe their skills would probably be the most talented ever. Um, obviously, we were talking about combos that won many, many more games and uh, included maybe some championships in there, especially something like the uh, Tim Duncan and like David Robinson duo that was mentioned, um, among right. many, many others. But I mean, these guys have it all. Uh, Anthony Davis is such like a spectacular athlete and it's a nice pairing to go with cousins. Who's very ground bound. Um, right. And cousins is a really good dribbler and can do like crossovers and, and uh, spin moves and stuff like he's a guard. Um, Davis can do that a little bit too, but cousins does it a lot more. Um, sometimes it leads to problems. He did have eight <laughs> turnovers tonight <laughs> uh, and yeah. he will fall over on the floor and he'll throw some away, and uh, you just kind of take it, I guess, just because the rest of his game is so good. Right. And, you know, I want to point out, remember, um, I can't remember what quarter it was in. Maybe it was the second quarter. He had this, like, drive along the baseline where he did, like, this layup that he went underneath the basket and around. Yeah. It was like – yeah. like, uh, He did it, it two times in a row. Yeah, it reminded me of that uh, scene in Fantasia with the dancing hippos. You know, to have this nice. huge person that has such <laughs> nimble feet is pretty impressive, you know? Yeah, he was not wearing a tutu tonight. He was not. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. No. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to stay PC. I just, you know, got to <laughs> make sure we represent the way that we should. Um. I found an interesting guy who I just quickly want to mention um, for the Clippers was Juwan Evans. He is very, very fast, um, and he looks like he might be a player. I kind of liked him. Yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, what's the, was it? Uh, I don't want to mess up his name. I think it was Richard Flom who came on from Clippers Nation with Preston. Uh, you know, he had a lot of good things to say about him, and he thought that he would be in the maybe he'd be in the starting lineup or. Uh, you know, they, they weren't sure if Austin was going to play in this game or not. But, uh, you know, he, he was really high on him and Thornwell. And I thought Thornwell played pretty decently, too, you know. Um, their role players were good. Uh, they they had a lot of balanced scoring on their team. So that's a sign of, like, good role players, you know. I like Thornwell. Um, I also just like watching DeAndre Jordan a lot. Um, I, it, he's like an interesting like kind of leader guy he just he sort of like holds court over whatever is going on in the paint it seems like uh, a lot of talking with uh, both teams so i just kind of like he's fun to watch um yeah did you see uh i ran into uh like i went and met up with ollie and uh and trevor 
at halftime and I I didn't see this during the game action but they showed Trevor showed me on his phone uh that like um Gentry was holding uh yeah. DeAndre Jordan's jersey yeah. and like yeah tried to draw him into a technical that was pretty interesting yeah but he like did it with a smile afterward I think cuz yeah. I mean he coached him for a while didn't he or was he was he, yeah, he, he was, was there with the Clippers, Clippers right? He was the assistant there, yeah. He was the assistant yeah. there for a while. So, yeah, I have the feeling they go way back. Um, let's talk about uh, Drew, uh, I guess. Did we already talk <laughs> about Drew? Do we have to talk about Drew? I think it's just depressing. We need to do, He's not very good. What we need to do with Drew is we need to hire a guy to check his passport and stamp it before every game, maybe, because but the only good game he's had so far is the Toronto game. Maybe make him think he's in another country. He likes that, uh, that poutine. He needs more poutine in his life. Don't they have a lot yeah. of that in New Orleans? Uh, I mean, it's we essentially... have a lot of cheese, variations of cheese fries. You can get like red beans <laughs> and rice cheese fries and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, etouffee cheese fries. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, they probably have a place that does poutine, though, I would, I would think. Well, that's where Drew's trying to go, I guess. What is going on with him? Is he just out looking Man. for restaurants and just kind of – it just doesn't seem like he's really there. You know what's funny is, like, I sit, I sit like, uh, maybe four rows behind his parents' seats. Well, his, his dad's usually not there, but his mom is consistently there for most seasons. But I haven't – I've seen her once this year. Like, she doesn't even want to watch Drew. I think she's, like mm-hmm. – I think she's going to watch Justin now. Like, I think that's how bad it's been. Yeah, that's not too good because um, Justin is uh, struggling shooting the ball. I, w- I wish the best for him. Um, let's see, what else happened this game? Uh, I don't know. What do you think about this team moving forward, I guess? It was a good win tonight. Um, they played, you know, those were some crunch time minutes, the last couple minutes, and they came up with some plays, so they got to feel good. Um, what do we got yeah, coming I mean, up here? I think one thing is, you know, like tonight, if we would have cut down on turnovers, I mean, we had 23 turnovers, and but we shot the ball incredibly well. We had 50 rebound, 50, 51 rebounds, something like that. If we don't turn the ball over, that's like a that's like a 20 point victory tonight, you know. And well, of course, well how about that, how about we uh, play the same way uh, against Atlanta on Monday? I mean, because um, well, I would imagine, uh, or do you think that the turnovers were at all forced by what the Clippers were doing? No, They're, most of them, most of them were just sloppy passes or sloppy handles, you know. Yeah. And then, then you have the the thing that I just really can't stand is stepping on the baseline when you're about to t- drive to the hoop. It's like, you know, how much how much lack of court awareness do you have? That's that's crazy. Um, we saw that happen tonight, but, um, you know, with Rondo coming back to clean that up a little bit, um, you know, I don't know what's going on with Drew, but he needs to get his head on straight. But if he's not with Rondo back, he won't be, you know, handling the ball as much. So that if, if he's not, doesn't get his head back in the game, I don't know what's going on with him, but, um, you know, at least the ball will be in Rondo's hands who isn't likely to turn the ball over nearly as much as, Drew has been. Um, I mean, DeMarcus is going to turn the ball over. That's just how it goes. I mean, he's a high-usage guy. 
he's a big guy who's driving from the three-point line a lot of the time. So, you know, he's got a high dribble. It's going to get stripped, poked out sometimes. You know, that's going to happen. But you can live with that because he makes up for it in other ways, whereas Drew's not making up for it. He's not, he's not scoring. He's not, you know, his defense is even slacking from what it was. Um, he was, he was better defensively tonight, but then again, he's guarding guys that aren't, you know, you know, Austin Rivers isn't a great player. Thornwell and Evans are rookies. So, you know, to say that his defense is better is maybe it was, but maybe it's just who he was defending as well, you know? Yeah. But another positive from tonight is some more role players continuing to play well. You know, I thought Etwan Moore had a good game. And one of the big positives is Czech Diallo coming in and playing quality minutes because we've all been clamoring for, you know, a reserve big to step up. And, uh, you know, he, he looked nice out there, you know. Yeah, I was going to bring up those two exact guys. Uh, Sheck played 19 minutes tonight, came off the bench relatively early. Um, you know, and it's, I guess it's always a little bit surprising just to see him, uh, maybe that early in games, yeah, but he had, first, uh, first quarter, huh? he came in. Yeah. Um, he had nine points on four or five shooting, six rebounds, two fouls, but generally he looked good. Um, he had, a, yeah, you know, some really nice shots in there. I mean, he shot four for five. So, Hey, that's, it's always nice to yeah, do when pretty, you're a guy. He had a pretty long two much. in there too, showing, you know, yep. that, that, he took yep. that one long two and showed some stroke out there. That was nice. Yep. And the other guy you mentioned, Etwan Moore, um, I thought he was excellent tonight. Uh, he He's the one guy who you can guarantee is always going to be moving. Maybe not guarantee, yeah. but often, more often than many of the other players, he's going to be the one on the move. And he got himself some buckets just because he's a tireless runner and I thought he did that well tonight and he looked good yeah no I'm a big Eton fan I mean he hasn't lived up overall to what I thought he would be so far this year but he has put together a few nice games recently and tonight was one of the better ones you know so I'm I'm hoping that continues that that trend I you know I I really like him Ollie always jokes with me about how much I like him how I'm always trying to convince him that he's a better player than he thinks he is, but you know, he's starting to show it, I think. Yeah, he might have a uh, a really nice role on this team as that guy who's just always on the move. Um, I mean, he would be a the poor man's idea of, you know, a Ray Allen or a uh, Clay Thompson or, you know, Bradley Beal or something like that, but um, right. he's not, I don't think he's at that level. Uh, but he is, uh, he's just, he's like a nifty player. Right. He's got a great little floater game. And then, like you said, yeah. he's always running around screens and, and finding spots to get open. You know, it's, uh, you know, getting more consistent with the, with the shot is important. But I mean, I think he has that. He just, you know, it's just one of those things sometimes. It was just, I think, a weird circumstance that we had like three or four of our better shooters in a slump at the same time to start the season. And I think that's starting to round out a little bit, you know, and, and another yeah. guy too, Darius, Darius didn't have the impact that he had the last couple of games, but he still came in and hit some shots. And, uh, you know, so I, I think that looks good as well. I'm, I'm happy with the way he's been looking lately as well. 
Yeah. What do you think? Totally. Um, what do you think about when Rondo comes back? What's the what's what's your prediction of the starting lineup? Um, I have the feeling that as this team has been playing better lately, and if they continue to keep playing better and win a couple more games here, that he doesn't start. Um, I sort of think that they want to keep like they can feel some momentum building. And so maybe they don't want to mess with the, the chemistry of, of the starting lineup or the guys who play a lot. Cause I mean, this is going to be the first time with them playing together. Um, other, what do you play one, one preseason game? Yeah. So, um, you know, they don't have so anything was- going and, and inst- you know, what we do know we've got going is, is cousins and AD. Is that what you think, or is that what you want? That's what I think, and I would say it's also what I want, because I'm also a big Jameer guy, and so I would rather um, play Jameer until he maybe begins to slack off a little bit, not slack off, but like maybe not do as well, because he kind of came in, and he's been like really good, and I doubt that he's going to keep this level of play up. My only issue with that is first, first, I mean, I think that the whole team had bought into Rondo being the floor general and their, and their leader. So by having him coming off the bench, it sort of diminishes them a little bit. And also you're talking about a guy who wavers sometimes defensively if he's not engaged. And if you're bringing them in off the bench, that's a risky run um, of getting bad Rondo or disinterested Rondo. But the other thing is, for me is that Drew Holiday has been a garbage fire except for in Toronto. So mm. like I think that that great moving point. him off the ball again, um, you know, and having Rondo in there being that floor general, taking that out of his hands, you know, maybe hopefully unleashes Drew a little bit more. I don't know. You have Drew run the second unit with A D maybe. Um they have a good pairing. It's just been that he hasn't meshed well, basically, with Cousins. I mean, those are – I yeah. believe that's I mean, a summation of what the numbers say as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, like, they could start both of them together then sub one out fast, you know, and then, you know, maybe – I mean, that's a totally interesting Lando thought. Cousins leave together and then yeah. Holiday takes over, you know. Yep. I get that. Um we didn't see Tony Allen tonight, did we? I don't think so, right? No. No. Yeah. Was this maybe a scheduled night off or something? Maybe. I don't know. It was but the night before we didn't I mean in Toronto we didn't see Ian Clark and we saw him a lot. So I don't know, maybe yeah. it was a a matchup thing that they saw, but I yeah. don't know what they I what the decision was in that. Yeah, me neither. Um what else? Uh are are we going to be winning a bunch of games here before we get Rondo back. He's expected to come back on the 17th, I believe. Is that correct? That's what I, that's what they've been saying. Yeah. And so so we've got, uh, we've got that Atlanta game I mentioned, which is Monday and then mm -hmm. Toronto on Wednesday, the 15th. And then, so Rondo would be back the next game, which is a road game Denver on the 17th national TV. Oh, well, then you definitely want Rondo playing because that's when he's his best, right? True. Is that ESPN or TNT? It's ESPN, yeah. ESPN. Friday, right? Yep, ESPN, yeah. 930. Um, 
So what do you think happens in the next couple games? Do we stay hot? I mean, AD and Cousins, again, I mean, these guys are just so dominant, but do you think they keep it going at, at this level? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think uh, you know, those two I'm always expect to come out and play the way they play. And, you know, we've had two, you could say two bad boogie games, and some of that is fatigue. But for the most part, those two, you can just expect to be fantastic every night. And it just all depends on if you're going to have, like, two other people step up. I think, you know, playing Atlanta, Atlanta, you know, looking at their roster, they're not great. I think they have a good coach, and they have a couple of pieces that are interesting. But um, that's a a game you should definitely win, especially at home. And uh, so I'm expecting that to be a win. And then um, Toronto, we played them well in their house. You know, again, if if Boogie plays like his normal self, that's a win for us. Um, Of course, you had that crazy Drew Holiday game, which I don't know if we can depend on that. But if you get good Cousins and you get good Davis and you just get a couple other guys playing at an average level, I think that can also be a win. Um, I mean, I had predicted four and one. I thought we would lose the Indiana game. Uh, game and win the Toronto game, but it, the, that was swapped. So we'll see. Um, I'm still positive, and you know, I'm just hoping Drew can figure something out for the n- next couple of games, or or at least we get a, another solid Etwan performance, maybe a Darius performance. Um, but you know, I, and we also have that that ex Pelican factor coming in on Monday night too, uh, with Luke Babbitt who. You know, those guys like to come in and, and light us up. And he, I mean, look, Luke, he has a lot of flaws, but that guy can shoot the ball. So if they're he not can shoot thugs. it. And another thing that I always thought was underrated with him is his ability to swing the ball. Like he used to swing the ball around the perimeter like nobody else would, you know? Um, sure. So he, he moves, he moves the ball and he takes smart shots and he, he can hit them when he's open. So if our rotations are late and slow, he could burn us. Although, you I, know, he's, terrible on defense but you know i wonder if he's ever been the uh the the big man in a pick and roll and rolled to the hoop instead of uh popping out for three i wonder if he's ever done that like you know remember uh, when was that um was that i'm trying to remember if that was the last no it wouldn't have been the last day of Imani. it was maybe the he didn't play with gentry did he no i don't think so there was like a season where at the end we had a bunch of guys that were oh, yeah. a bunch of 10 day contracts, Jared. In, I mean, um, and we had like James Ennis and Frazier and, uh, and Babbitt. And I, I seem to remember him like going to the hoop a little bit in those Man. games towards the end when those units looked pretty good together. Um, I looked ahead a little bit on the schedule. And so let's say Rondo comes back for that game on the 17th. Somewhere about their next like ten games or so are pretty difficult. They they're gonna play um, the Thunder, the Spurs, the Warriors, uh, Timberwolves, Jazz, the Warriors again. Um, so they're gonna have a bunch of big games coming up. Are you yeah. sure about you know? Does this maybe change the plan of what you had and wanted to do with 
with Rondo at all, or does that not not no. affect you? No, I mean, I think you, it makes these next two games really more, much more important because those are definitely you know games that you should win at home. I think I think Toronto is going to be coming in on a on the second night of a back to back as well, um, so that should help us. If I'm not wrong, I'm pretty sure that's right. So um, take care of those. Go to Denver. Playing in Denver is really tough, um, regardless of if the team's good or not at the time, it's just always a tough place to win. Um, but I think you got to get Rondo in there uh, right away. I mean, I'm not saying you play, play him 30 minutes in the first game, but get him in the starting lineup and start to get them used to playing with them. Um, you know, then look, you can lose all those games. You just want to try to be, I think you want to definitely try to be Denver and you definitely want to try to beat Utah the Spurs and the Warriors, those games you you can't really expect to win. And if you do get any of them, that's a bonus. But you want to win the games that are winnable. In matchup-wise, Denver and Utah are winnable games. Um, so if you can just get those two, I would consider it a success. Um, I'm going to open it up a little bit here. Who have – what uh... – what NBA team have you seen the most of this season other than the Pelicans? I would say the Spurs, actually. Really? Yeah, I've watched a few Spurs games. I've been kind of interested in how they would – one reason is I kind of, like, I've been really interested in Kyle Anderson. Um, he's just a guy that I, I thought would be, like, a nice fit for the Pelicans. He, like, intrigues me. And with Kawhi out, he's getting a lot more minutes. So I just kind of wanted to watch how that played out. And also, I wanted to see because, like, you know, like we're we're testing um, the the trend of the NBA of going smaller with bigger guys, and then the Spurs are also they're playing Aldridge and and Paul Gasol together. Um, so, you know, Pop's doing that, and we're doing that. You're doing this kind of similar thing as Pop, even though our guys are a little bit different than what they have, but it's still playing to more traditional bigs especially like uh, Aldridge is kind of like an old school post player. That's really where his game is, is best. So I just kind of wanted to see how they were doing things as well. Um, so, yeah, I've been kind of watching them a bit. Um, have you seen, uh, have you seen Brandon Paul at all for them? Brandon Paul. Yeah, I have seen him. How is he? He looks all right. I mean, I think he's a, Oh, still a work in progress but you know i think he's going to be a player um but yeah like i don't know if you have you ever really watched kyle anderson play uh yeah a little bit i act the spurs are one of those teams that i don't watch often on league pass but i, I will watch them i mean i'll watch them a ton in the playoffs um right but uh yeah just like, I'm yeah no i mean guy. he's just that slow-mo well yeah i mean you gotta love you know i love any uh, ball handling and passing centric wing. I'll take that right. guy every time. And he's like a really good defender. And he, yeah. And I think he's like a pass first guy. So he works good with high usage players and he's got a good, <clears throat> he's got a good handle and he can play like four positions. So like for a team like the Pelicans who constantly have injury problems or just, you know, deficiencies in different spots and want to create different kinds of mismatches. Um, 
I think he's like a like he would be a perfect kind of player to have because he can just spot him in with any kind of lineup because he can play four positions out of the five on the court, you know. Yeah. Um, another guy obviously is Dejounte Murray, who has right. taken the he's, starting point guard role for them. Uh, so uh, hopes are high there. He's been pretty fun, man. He he gets out. He's he's fast. He looks too. good. Another team, I you know, I kind of I haven't been able to watch as much basketball as I normally do um, so far this season because I've been traveling a bit. Um, but um, now I'm back and settled in. I'm starting to watch a little bit more. But um, another team, obviously, I've been intrigued by is the 76ers. So I watch them a little bit too. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a number of their games so far this year. Um, ben Simmons. I'm you know I'm just like drooling over Ben Simmons. Um, yeah, Embiid, we know what Embiid can do. He is a spectacular shooter of the basketball. I mean, the guy just does. He, I mean, he shoots like AD style, where like halfway through the second quarter, you look and he's like seven of eight, and you're like, oh, okay. So this guy's really good. Yeah, and then I'm a big fan of uh, Covington as well, and uh, I like Rashad Holmes a lot too. I mean, I he would have. He's another guy that I, that I mean if if you could have him as the third big down here, oh my God, Love it. you know, the guy is like super athlete great instincts, really good shot blocker. He can even shoot threes now. I mean, that would be killer. You have a guy like that. One of the games that I saw them win um, was a game where Reddick went off late. Uh, oh, I think yeah. he's just like a hilarious addition to that team and very much needed. Um, he's oh, that yeah. guy he who I described like Etuan Moore, where he just runs around every screen known to man and uh, takes and makes a lot of threes. Yeah. So. Uh, and then the whole fault situation is just so weird. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's unfortunate. Even more interesting. Yeah. But Hopefully they got, I can celebrate ready. with Ben Simmons this year. Right. I guess that's what happens when you get a ton of early draft picks. You know, if you hit on two or three, then you're solid. And they hit on two big ones, you know. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, any other uh, teams or who, who's your uh, who's your MVP so far this year? Hmm. I mean, I would say. Boogie and you have to account for a uh, you need a narrative. The guy has to have a narrative. I mean, well, I think if if we can be, you know, a, say like a sixth, fifth, sixth seed, I think, you know, Cousins has a really strong case. You know, he's a guy who's had the the bad rep. He's got the the redemption story coming over. He's putting up insane numbers. I mean, I think Anthony Davis is the better player. Don't get me wrong. But um, the storyline for Cousins is there. And he's going to have probably more points per game and then he's got the assist advantage um so i think you know if he if we could somehow get to the sixth or fifth seed he would have a good case uh harden's been looking incredible carrying mm-hmm. that team um um you know LeBron Kyrie, had 57 yeah um but that team is you know they're not even are, are they 500 yet no i mean not that I don't think – I mean, obviously, I think they're going to be really good. But, you know, it's hard to talk about an MVP candidate when they're under 500. 
Um, yeah. But Kyrie um, yeah. in Boston has been incredible. And, uh, you know, they're, what are they, did they win like eight in a row or something like that? I think it's nine um, now. And they're relying on, a, a you know, they got a rookie playing big minutes and a second-year player playing big minutes when they were expecting to have, you know, um, Gordon Hayward. So he's, like, taking that on, and I think, you know, that's a good story. And then also, you know, like, the story of leaving LeBron, like not wanting to play with LeBron and being and having his own team, and then he goes there, and they're, like, killing it, and he's putting up great numbers, you know. He's even looking like a the decent defender out there at times. So I think, you know, he has a good storyline as well. And then, you know, like I said, Harden too, and he's carrying the team right now without, uh, without Chris Paul. Yeah. I did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Giannis, I, Giannis either. I mean, that's one of my, I'm uh, watch too. Although I find that their offense has been really kind of boring lately. I don't know if you, you, we watch the bucks much. Yeah, I watch a lot of Bucks. Uh, I watch them probably just as much as I watch the Pelicans, really, anymore. Um, yeah. What do you think about their offense? So they won a game tonight. They just beat. Who did they beat? I was just watching it. Um, but they won a game by about 10. Or Yeah, the Lakers, because uh, Lonzo Ball had a triple-double. But um, Giannis will become a little bit ISO sometimes uh, and they're really obsessed with trying to get him the ball on the block in various places and just doing that really does bog things down which I think is probably what you're getting at Um, they're great when they're free-flowing and going up and down the floor and stuff especially now that they got Bledsoe so they just went from like a Ford you know to something more like a Ferrari or whatever Um, right so it's going to be um that could supercharge their offense just a little bit, which is what they need because they're relying too much on Deladova. Um, really, yeah, yeah. I mean, he just has the ball like way too much. Definitely. Um, do you think? I mean, I haven't seen him yet. They had added Bledsoe. Are they doing Bledsoe, Brogdon, uh, Middleton, Giannis, and yeah. Maker? Is, is it yeah. that's the starting lineup? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. cool. I like that lineup. Well, and well. In the last few games, they've they haven't started Maker. They've started uh, John Henson, who's just been really oh. good. Yeah. yeah, pretty effective. It's just like kind of doing what John Henson does. Just nothing, you know. He's n- he's no DeAndre Jordan. He's no Cousins. He's no Anthony Davis. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a pretty decent, you know, he's a decent big man, solid, yeah. unspectacular, solid guy. Right. So yeah, I've probably seen them the most. Um, but yeah, I guess league MVP for me. Oh, the one guy I was going to mention um, is a guy who's on the Celtics, but isn't Kyrie Irving. I've just loved what I've seen out of Al Horford. Seems like every time mm-hmm. I turn on one of their games, he's like making like giant, gigantic, like game ceiling, like long twos and threes. Um, I just think he's been great. I think he's shooting like a super high percentage. Um, and all of his stats are like much higher than they've normally been. So they've got quite the pairing there already with him and Kyrie. Although he did just get oh, yeah. uh, knocked in the face the other night. Oh yeah. So he might have concussion. Oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah. So that's all I got. Um, yeah. Kevin, anything else you want to uh, tell the crowd? I'm sure you've 
written a lot of stuff lately for the bird rights and i know you've been on a number of the the other bird rights podcasts yeah uh well real quick i don't think you gave us your prediction on the next couple of games what, what do you what do you got Ooh. well i'm a little bit worried just because i think the level of competition is going to go up a little bit other than i mean we did play the calves and you know that was it's hard to know what to make out of the calves right now so they're going to get a little bit more consistent um like good teams i guess is what i mean um mm-hmm. so i see you know i don't see them beating the spurs you know or warriors um I, you know, I think they would be lucky to go 500, I'd say. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. I mean, any any game you can win in the NBA right now feels good. Right. Because there's no, like, great team. Like, every team seems like they're, like, four and five. So, you think we got – you think we beat Atlanta in Toronto or – Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'll give us those two wins, like you predicted as well. And then that Nuggets game, I just don't know. I don't know yeah. what's going to happen with Drew and I mean, and Rondo and Jameer. With Rondo, yeah. Um, yeah, you you have anything coming out on Bird Rights soon, or? Man, I don't know. I anymore. My schedule is very difficult to get to do post game recaps, but uh, love yeah. doing the podcasts. So I think I'll be available to go on one in a couple of days. So you might be hearing me again, Pelicans fans. Yeah. I'm sure I'll probably be on one maybe Friday with Ollie and Preston. And then um, I've been working on a, a really big piece for Anti-Gravity magazine, but it's like a music magazine. So if anybody's interested in sort of underground music, I got that coming out. It'll be in the December issue here in New Orleans. It's a print magazine. And then I have uh, I have a concept I'm about to start working on once I sort of finish nailing down this article, that article I was talking about. Um, it's like sort of uh, Facebook stalking our exes where I go, go and look at all, you know, recent ex-Pelicans that are in the league. You know, specifically, you know, my always, Pelicans crush Tyreek Evans, who's making a strong case for a six man of the year uh, over in Memphis, playing great over there. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, so we're going to end it here. Um, I guess uh, give us the good ratings and uh, and download the podcast and do everything you can. Thebirdrights.com, uh, at thebirdrights. Um, this is Travis and Kevin. Uh, now we're leaving. All right, bye. All right. All right. Now we are joined by Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks and Peachtree Hoops. Thanks for taking the time, Brad. Oh, it's my pleasure. Always happy to talk some Hawks basketball, uh, even when they're not doing so well. Yeah, right. Uh, we definitely know that sentiment very well here in New Orleans, uh, being a, a sub 500 team for, I think, three years straight before this past week. We climbed to six and five. So uh, now we're at six and six, but things are good in New Orleans for the first time in a long time. Uh, you guys can follow him at BT Roland and you can find his work at Peachtree Hoops. And if you want to listen to his pod, hop on over to at Locked on Hawks. Those are the right spots, right, Brad? Absolutely, yeah. I would encourage anybody that wants to listen to listen or read anything about the Hawks to go ahead and do that. I know I'm probably not a ton of your listeners looking to do that, but uh, hopefully if they want to find me, they can.
hey, you never know, the people who listen to this podcast, and there are a surprising number of them, actually, and it also says on here that 45% of our listeners are women. I don't know if that's like teenagers listening to their mom's computers or something, but uh, these are all diehard fans, so if you can expect anybody to, to listen to the voice of the enemy, which Brad is, Locked on Hawks uh, podcast host over here in the flesh. Uh, these are probably the guys who are going to do it. Or uh, I like to go over to Peachtree Hoops, uh, which I just did a few minutes ago, just to see how you guys are playing, uh, get a get a good idea of who we can expect to see. There's so many injuries already early on in the season. And uh, that's a pretty good segue because I definitely wanted to, to go to that at some point. I was reading over one of the articles on Peachtree Hoops, and it's got a pretty lengthy list of guys who are either out or pretty banged up. We've got DeAndre Bembry with a broken wrist who's only played one game. Miles Plumley. there's conflicting reports. One article said it was a strained hamstring. The other said it was a, a, a quad. And then Mike Muscala with a sprained left ankle. Ersan Ilyasova with a bone bruise in his left knee. Marco Bellinelli with a sore Achilles. Dennis Schroeder with a sprained left ankle. And Malcolm Delaney with a sprained right ankle. Did I miss anybody, Brad? Uh, that is it for now. There's a couple other guys who have been on there, uh, have been on there at, 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 on different points of the season. But uh, going into uh, the most recent game, uh, yeah, seven guys in the injury report. So uh, yeah, kind of a walking wind right now. I know uh, DeAndre Bembry. We can expect will definitely not be in the lineup on Monday, right? Yeah, Bembry's. Uh, it's it's a four to six week timetable. I think we're uh, somewhere in the middle of the early uh, week three. So yeah, he's definitely going to be out, and I would expect. Uh, I'd be pretty surprised if we were to see either Miles, uh, either Miles Plumlee or Ursula Ilyasova as well. Uh, Plumlee's not played a game this year. I think he, they're taking it slow with him. Ilyasova, I guess, could be back by the time they uh, take on the Pelicans. But, uh, yeah, Bembry and Plumlee are almost certainly out. Yeah, and uh, Pelicans fans who listen to this will actually know DeAndre Bembry quite well since we were such avid watchers of Czech Diallo in Summer League, and he had that uh, those two epic matchups with Bembry and John Collins, and we'll definitely get to John Collins because I know he's been playing a lot in his first year. Uh, first off, let's just talk your offseason. The Atlanta Hawks had a pretty major overhaul this offseason. Uh, after last year losing Al Horford, this year you lost Paul Millsap. You traded Dwight Howard to the Hornets in exchange for Miles Plumley and Marco Bellinelli. And uh, a, a bunch of reports saying that some some uh, Atlanta Hawks players cheered as the trade was announced on Twitter. That doesn't sound too good for Dwight Howard. Uh, but then you guys drafted John Collins, like I said. He had those awesome summer league matchups. And uh, you acquired Dwayne Dedman and Luke Babbitt, the former Pelican. Uh, you guys are out of the gates. Two and nine. Brad, have the Hawks now officially entered rebuilding territory? Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to assume. You know, coming into the offseason, there was some debate about whether that was going to happen, but the, the Hawks uh, did not even offer Paul Millsap a contract, which is probably the uh, the clearest example of them uh, looking to move in a different direction because Millsap, uh, he, he got a lot of money on an annual basis in Denver, but it was a short deal, the one that the Hawks probably would have matched had they actually been trying to uh, uh, win games this season. They're definitely doing the long-range uh, planning. They did, you know, they're, they're some stopgap moves, like you mentioned, uh, signing uh, Deadman and Babbitt were sort of uh, at least moved to be competitive this year. But every other thing that they did, that they did this offseason was basically geared towards uh, the future. Uh, they've been compiling draft picks. They're going to have three first-round picks in 2018 and probably at least two in 2019 based on the, the way that some of those are going to be conveying. So it's definitely a forward-thinking uh sort of regime right now with Travis Schlenk, a new general manager. But uh, yeah, for the most part, this this year is kind of uh, almost a foregone conclusion that wasn't going to go super well when it comes to uh, results. And uh, that's going to be kind of the background of everything that's going on right now. 
Now, the reason I ask is because uh, Mike Budenholzer kind of reminds me of Eric Spolstra and Rick Carlisle, that every year you think they're going to rebuild, and somehow they manage to weasel their way into the playoffs. And this year, I'm looking at the standings right now, and obviously it's very early, but we've got the Knicks at 6th, the 76ers at 7th, the Hornets at 8th. You don't think there's any chance that the Hawks kind of find their footing midway through the season and make a late run and push their way into the 8th spot, do you? I'm really I'm probably not only because I think that this team was going to probably need to get off to a hot start because because they're so forward focused. I think if they were uh, if anything, they're going to be trying to sell uh, as the season moves along. They have a couple of guys on expiring contracts, whether that be Deadman or uh, Bellinelli or even Oshlin Sova. All these guys are on expiring deals. And if the Hawks can probably get something from them in trade, they will probably look to do that. So I think, you know, the best chance for this team to make a sort of a French playoff run was going to be to get to get off uh, sort of out of the gates hot and uh, with, with a good start, which obviously has not happened, which we kind of talked about. So I think they, they can be certainly competitive that, you know, most of the games that they've been in uh, this season, they've been very competitive and it's not like they're getting blown out every night, but at the same time, they don't have uh, that sort of top end talent right now to sort of win those close games in the way that you might expect. So they're, you know, they're well coached. They're probably, you know, more entertaining than your average team that has the record that they have, but I don't really see that kind of run coming. Now, I know that's not why, why we're here, but I, I know a certain team in New Orleans who could definitely uh, use some players like Dwayne Denman, Ersan, Ilyasova. The Pelicans are so void of talent at the backup five right now. They've just been playing Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, staggering them 40 minutes a game. They have not brought in a backup four or five, and I think three games now uh so you know if you guys ever need to unload them and want to take some unwanted salary back for like a first round pick you guys know who you can call uh but let's let's talk about your most recent matchups uh you guys narrowly lost to the Cavs and the Celtics uh this week in successive games before falling to the suddenly surging eight and three Pistons tonight by seven you were just telling me off air about that game uh you play the Wizards tomorrow night before heading to New Orleans for the third game in four nights before we touch on exactly what happened tonight uh, what is the attitude of your fans in general going into this difficult stretch? Are you guys just despair or you're all like, you know, kind of like preaching process like the 76ers at this point? What is what is the current mood of Hawks fans? Yeah, there's probably something of a divide. I think there's certainly some people uh, I try to preach that this is sort of the process and, you know, looking at the schedule ahead of time here, as you kind of mentioned, a b- bunch of uh Tough road games. There was a stretch here where, you know, the Hawks have not been favored in a game all season when it comes to Las Vegas. And I looked at the schedule and, uh, you know, the next time that they could be favored would be the, uh, a home game uh, next Wednesday against the Kings. So all of these games that we're talking about, uh, the Hawks are not supposed to win. You know, it doesn't mean that they're, that, that they're not uh, able to win one or two of these games. But at the same time, like no one's, no one's really expected them to do so. So it's sort of a. Uh, you know, some hope, some hopeful optimism when it comes to the young guys uh, sort of is, is the mood on one side and the other side is sort of already frustrated, which I understand. This has been a playoff team for a long time. So this is the first time they've sort of gone out of that. Basically a decade now they've been in the playoffs. So it's one of those things where you're uh, you're adjusting to a new life for a lot of a lot of newer Hawks, especially a lot of younger Hawks fans don't even remember the last time that the Hawks were going to be a non-playoff team. So it's just that adjustment period. But for the most part, spirits are reasonably high still. You know, check, check back in March if this team gets uh, – uh, you know, even uglier the standings and people might be a little bit more frustrated. But for now, I think people are still sort of holding on to hope more than anything else. What is your thought? I think it was three years ago, maybe 2014, when the Hawks won 60 games and just shocked everybody. And you just come away from that team. Pretty much everybody from that roster at this point is is probably gone. Do you, do you ever look back and think like, ah, oh, you were so close and you had a shot and it just like fizzled away so quickly? Or do you feel like that team just really overperformed that year? 
a sort of a combination of both, I think. I mean, it was an overperformance in some in some ways. Like, I think even if you look at their numbers from that year, winning 60 games was probably not quite indicative of what that team was. But at the same time, there were, that was a lot of fun. Uh, that was a, uh, you know, that team famously had four all-stars. And, um, you know, they probably overachieved, but it was very, very fun basketball, just sort of uh, different than what you would normally see. A lot of unselfish play passing, just sort of a pleasure to watch. So it was like it was not that long ago. And, uh, yeah, if you, as you kind of mentioned, there was only one guy that's still on the team from then. And that was Dennis Schroeder, and he was he was a pure backup on that team. So yeah, it's been a it's been a while, um, obviously. Then uh, since that team uh, sort of was able to run through the Eastern Conference, and there was a stretch where they won 17 straight games, just feels like uh, that lots a lots changed since then. But yeah, I mean it's it's a weird situation in that um, it isn't that long ago, I guess, if you just look at the pure uh, calendar and all that kind of stuff. So they probably overachieved. It was a fun team. I mean, honestly, that was the best team in Hawks history. They'd never made. Um, even the uh, the conference finals in any, any other season except for that one at, since, they, since they actually moved to Atlanta in the 50s. So that's sort of a memorable squad for a, for a long-time Hawks fans, and it will be for a long time. But, uh, yeah, it's a lot of change since then. Now you are listening to the Bird Rice here on Nothing But Net Network with Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks and Peachtree Hoops. Um, let's talk about last night's matchup. I'm here uh, skimming through Sam Meredith's post, uh, uh, post on Peachtree Hoops, and it's saying you guys were down by as much as 19 uh, before Dennis Schroeder and Kent Bazemore kind of took over in the fourth quarter. Uh, Schroeder had 17-11, Bazemore had 22-5-5. Five and five. Uh, down 19, tied the game up late before Reggie Jackson hit two uh, huge three-pointers. Talk a bit about the fight in your team. Uh, we mentioned a rebuilding team, a bunch of young players, but down 19 against one of the best teams in the East right now, and you guys weren't willing to give up. Yeah, that's been sort of a theme all season long. Like, there's been a bunch of times where it seems like the Hawks uh, could get blown out in certain games. Uh, you know, you know, being that they're now 2-10, and 10, it's not like this uh, – um, they've won a lot of these, but at the same time, like they've been able to scratch and claw back in a lot of these spots where it looked like they're going to get blown out. Like tonight uh, in the game we're talking about with Detroit, they're you know down 19 in late the second uh, late, late in the second quarter, and then they certainly could have rolled over. There was no reason for them to necessarily think they, they, they were going to be able to get back in that game, but they were able to hold on and kind of just push and fight. Made a, made a bunch of big threes. Kent Bazemore hit three threes in the fourth quarter, which uh, it's not like he's incapable of doing that, but not normally the guy you would think to be uh, shooting the Hawks back into a basketball game, but they they really sort of uh, just have this no quit attitude. They have a they really only have one blowout loss all year, and it was against Charlotte in the second game of the season. And since then, they have some double digit losses, but it, it, they're more in that eleven twelve point range. And uh, you know some of those probably got a little bit looser than that at times. They they just keep coming, and they they're just not going to quit. You know, credit to Mike Budenholzer with that as well. It's a very good culture for a team that may not be very good this year. You know, they're very well coached, and they uh, you know they're probably better defensively than, than they are offensively, which probably helps as well to sort of keep things together. But they don't really have that. G where they're rolling over hopefully that's going to continue all season long you know it might be a little bit more frustrating later on in the season if their record is uh, ugly as we kind of expect it to be but for now uh, they seem to be playing hard on a nightly basis which is a lot of fun okay let's go through your roster a bit here i was looking over at teamrankings.com and you guys are pretty much in the bottom 10 in just about every category so i'd love to touch on some of the young players that we can expect to see on monday night obviously we are we'll have some version of a Dennis Schroeder, Kent Babbitt, uh, and then probably starting, I would assume, Dwayne Dedman at this point, Torian Prince, uh, and then Irsan Ilyasova. Is that your starting lineup right now? Yeah, Ilyasova has been banged up, but uh, yeah, that's that's that was the start, that's the starting lineup on opening night. It's basically been the starting lineup whenever they're all available. It's been Luke Babbitt the last couple of games because Ilyasova and Mike Mescal are both uh, been banged up. So uh, is that it's that power forward spot's been sort of a, a revolving door, but if everybody was healthy, that's probably what you'd see. 
Now, John Collins was pretty spectacular in the limited action I saw him in Las Vegas Summer League. Uh, he's already playing 21 minutes a game, which is a, a pretty healthy clip for a rookie, especially one uh, taken, I think he was taken somewhere around uh, 10th. You'll know better than I would. But talk a bit about his progress and what we can expect from him in this game. Yeah, Collins is a lot of fun. I mean, he's certainly the most the most entertaining player on the roster right now. Not not not, not the best player just yet, but uh, he's been uh, you know I would say overachieving ex- expectations early on. You know, rookies for the most part are bad, uh, especially guys who are drafted. Uh, he was number nineteen overall, so you know back half of the first round. He wasn't he, he wasn't established college guy, but at the same time, you don't really expect those guys to come in and be positive players right away. But he certainly has been. Uh, you know, some highlight dunks. We you mentioned summer league. He was a lot of fun there. Sort of one of the one of the better highlight guys in Las Vegas. And since then, uh, there's been some of that in the regular season. But yeah, just more more just efficiency. Like he's very good around the rim. He's a very good rebounder. Uh, very very athletic and a good energy uh, player around the rim. You know, defensively there's still some concerns because he's a rookie. He doesn't really know where he's going just yet. A lot of the time. But when you're six ten, six eleven, and you and you're athletic and bouncy you're able to make up for some of that with just instincts and being able to uh, sort of fly around a little bit. So yeah, Collins is, uh, he's definitely the primary backup center right now. He's also played some power forward. So uh, that kind of recipes, you know, 20 plus minutes a night. And uh, that's a little bit surprising to me. And that Mike Budnoz doesn't always love rookies, but uh, he's been playing so well that it's basically impossible to keep him off the floor right now. And it's good that you guys have so many big men because one thing the Pelicans have had trouble with is DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony uh, Davis do an exemplary job of getting big men into foul trouble early. So these teams who are a little bit lighter at depth at the five have gotten into trouble super early in the games. But you guys are pretty loaded in your front court. Uh, I don't know, again, uh, who's going to be playing, who's going to be out. But with Deadman, Collins, Mascala, Miles Plumley, you just you guys have a lot of bodies that you can throw at big men, right? Yeah, I mean, the only, uh, re- you know, recently it's because guys have been banged up with uh, with Muscala and Ilyasova, especially kind of missing games. But if everybody's available, then that's certainly one of the strengths that they, they can go pretty deep there. Uh, and Bud doesn't love to uh, play a lot of small ball. I mean, he's had to do a little bit of that recently because of the injuries. But if all, if, if, if even a reasonable complement of guys are available against New Orleans, we'll see uh, some pretty, pretty traditional lineups, a lot of uh, a lot of two big sets, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, that's not necessarily the greatest thing against the Falcons because the Falcons have two better bigs anybody that Atlanta has but they can certainly match up and uh, it wouldn't be as big a concern as a lot of teams would in terms of just sort of running out of guys all right let's talk a bit about your depth uh, I see Isaiah Taylor on here uh, you guys will have some version of Luke Babbitt if he's not in the starting lineup Malcolm Delaney what can the Pelicans uh, expect to see from your second units early on second quarters and late in the third quarter and how have these guys been producing yeah, the absence of DeAndre Bembry hurts a little bit in that way because he was projected to be, uh, if not the sixth man, definitely one of the seven or a top seven or eight guys in terms of minutes. But without him, you have uh, guys like like you mentioned there. They've been playing a lot of two-point guard sets with Isaiah Taylor and Malcolm Delaney. That's actually been working fairly well recently. Marco Bellinelli is probably the most high-profile bench guy. Uh, he takes a lot of shots, has the ball in his hands a lot. He's uh, not shy about getting shots up, and Bellinelli's been around the block a few hundred times at this point. So uh, that's a guy who people are familiar with. He can certainly win you a game or a quarter by just making a bunch of shots. He can also sort of shoot you out of a game as well with these uh, not having the greatest night in the world. But uh, he's he's an interesting bench wing. And then, you know, Babbitt's a solid guy. I mean, you guys know him well from his time in New Orleans. Um, but uh, yeah, Babbitt has actually been playing very, very well in, in, some, short, in some short minutes recently. Uh, he's been thrust into more duty uh, because of the injuries up front. He's actually been playing quite well. I'm not sure how, how sustainable that is, but you'll see a lot of him as well. 
well. And uh, other than that, it's some it's some bit it's it's a bit guys. You know, you have Tower Dorsey's played a couple of games. He's a rookie second round pick that you could see in a pinch, as well as a Tower Cavanaugh played a very very small amount. He's actually on two way contract, but because the Hawks are bad on some injuries, he's been able to uh, come and play a few minutes. But for the most part, it's Taylor, it's Delaney, it's uh, it's Bellinelli, and it's Babbitt as sort of your uh, your consistent bench players right now. Uh, just for your opinion's sake, uh, I want to talk about your your salary cap uh, very briefly, uh, and it's just in regards to Dennis Schroeder. Uh, you don't have a lot on your books beyond Miles Plumley and uh, sorry, Kent, Kent Bazemore. How are you guys feeling uh, one year into your four year seventy million dollar point guard? Yeah, I, I think it's it's tough to get super duper excited about Schroeder's contract, but it's also not, not a bad one if that makes sense. He's very young. You're basically locking him up for his entire prime, at least what you expect his prime to be based on his age. And uh, Schroeder is, he's fine. I think he's a below average starting point guard, but uh, you know, that's, that's not really that, not, not necessarily a shot at him because there's so many quality guys in the NBA that, you know, if he was somewhere around the 23rd best point guard in the league, that's not a terrible place to be. And then uh, he's, he's appropriately paid. I would think it's not a bargain. Um, there is some ceiling left in him. I think he's, he's young enough to where you could see him grow a little bit more, especially defensively. That was my big issue with him last year is that he just didn't defend uh, all season long you know offensively he actually did some pretty good things and this year he's, his numbers are good he's he has the ball in his hands probably too often based on just the lack of options the hawks have offensively but i've been you know for the most part i think it's 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 a fine contract it's nothing to be excited about or just be really uh angry about either the hawks have these two bad contracts with Kent Bazemore, uh, which isn't awful because he can play a little bit, but he's, he's certainly overpaid. And then you have Miles Plumley, who uh, is almost dead salary that he basically hasn't been playing at all. And he's, he's been banged up, but uh, I mean, you know, they traded Dwight Howard knowing full well that Miles Plumley's contract is going to be pretty bad. So uh, Schroeder is the, uh, he's, he's the guy making a lot of money that they're not upset with in terms of having that guy in the books. But at the same time, I don't really see a ton of like extra value with that contract either. You guys are listening to the Bird Rice here on Nothing But Net Network with Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks and Peachtree Hoops. Let's wrap this up, Brad. Uh, give me your prediction for Monday night. Uh, it's in the Smoothie King Center. Uh, Center, you guys are on, I think, your third game in four nights. How do you expect your team to perform? Yeah, I mean, as you, as you kind of mentioned there, it's, it's a pretty tough spot for Atlanta, third game in four nights, and, uh, you know, Pelicans are just better than the Hawks right now. I was looking at 538 when we were talking uh, earlier. The uh, 538 odds basically have the Pelicans as about a 10.5-point favorite in that game, which makes a lot of sense based on, you know, the Hawks going on the road and uh, probably being a little bit winded. You know, fortunately, it's not uh, it's not the second game of a back-to-back. They have a back-to-back, then an off day, and then it's the Pelicans. But uh, still, I, I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if the Hawks won this game. It's not that they couldn't win this game, but I think I uh, it's something would be, would be picking the Pelicans pretty comfortably in this spot, uh, you know, you know, barring some sort of health thing with one of their uh, main players or same thing with the Hawks. But I think all things equal, uh, this is a game the Pelicans should probably win. And, uh, you know, the Hawks are capable of stinging them if they play well and uh, New Orleans sort of tries to nail it in a little bit. But if everybody plays sort of their B-plus game, I think New Orleans pretty, wins pretty comfortably. All right. Thank you so much to Brad Rowland of Locked on Hawks and Peachtree Hoops. Again, you can follow him at BT Rowland, at Locked on Hawks, and at Peachtree Hoops. I'm your host, Preston Ellis. As always, remember to retweet, subscribe to the pod on iTunes, and rate it. We are approaching 50,000 downloads, but we need your help to continue growing. You guys, just uh, you can take two seconds, open that podcast app, search the bird rights, give us a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you all so much for your support. We'll be back tomorrow night with a recap followed by some more game previews. Uh, Brad, before we sign off, is there anything that you hope our listeners will will go and check out of your work uh, before Monday night's contest? Nothing specific, just 
check out PeacetreeHoops.com. That's the best place to find everything. And uh, my podcast is the Locked on Hawks podcast, which is also on Groups. We host that a little bit. And it's on uh, Megaphone and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, all those fun places that you can find podcasts. So just use your, use your player if you want to find one. Search for Locked on Hawks, and I'm sure it will be there. So that's probably the best place to find me. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Brad. Uh, if you have time, uh, whenever we match up with you guys in Atlanta, I have no idea when the game is, but we'd love to have you back on. We really appreciate your time. That's absolutely. It's my pleasure. Happy to do it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Let's go, pals. Thanks again, Pelicans fans. Again, you are listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Subscribe to the Bird Rights on iTunes and give us a follow at the Bird Rights. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.